<laughs> it's almost too much. It is like literally I'm trying to enjoy my vacation. I'm trying to enjoy some sort of vacation. And here comes the basketball to interrupt all of that. Mm. How dare they ruin my vacation, Walker? How dare the NBA ruin my vacation? I don't think anybody feels bad for you. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail. Nada is on Twitter at Nada the Scribe. It's the second time in a row that we tried to give you Doug Branson. Remember the old host that said he was going to appear at least once a week, and we have not been able to get him on the show the last couple of days, but he's telling us to tease the listeners that he is going to be on Tuesday, so I don't know if that's something that I want to promise and then just not fulfill like we always do on this podcast, but that's what Doug told me to do, so I'm putting it out there. Why, why are you listening to Doug? Doug doesn't. Uh, Doug controls nothing anymore, and yet it's you're true. listening to him and just going by his beck and call because that's what you're used to, Walker. I'm used to adhering to some of the production things that he might bring to the table like you know appearing on the podcast but that didn't happen the last couple of times exactly. despite and it cost you a friday episode i don't know if we were i don't know if that was us this time today i don't know if it was on his end the reason it's probably him He's we're gonna cursed. go we're gonna go with doug though. yeah we're gonna blame doug we're, we're, we're absolutely blaming doug we're going to go with it being doug branson's fault um as we did with the nba debut happening on thursday we talked about a useless hornet this past season maybe useless <laughs> is a little too strong <laughs> but we talked about a hornet that can't be nearly as intriguing as the other pieces on this roster we talked about billy hernan gomez as the nba was debuting on thursday we did the spinning wheel of names and wouldn't you know it it's nick patoom he was pretty useless this season on the court when you look at his overall numbers it was the worst season of his career and now that we actually have some content to talk about with nba action happening on the court we're now not only talking about billy but we're going to follow that up with a nick patoom episode today at least that's what we're going to talk about in the second segment yeah we're going to talk about in the second segment because we got basketball even though basketball did not like adhere to my personal vacation schedule and i was finding myself getting in trouble and not being present during my actual vacation thank you nba basketball i'm sure people feel really bad for you for being able to go on vacation and you have to watch basketball on your vacation does that not make your nights maybe if you are staying in a hotel a little bit better to actually have something to watch it was an airbnb thank you and it was very nice (laughs) i was gonna say that yeah i don't know if an airbnb makes any uh, difference whatsoever but i was glad that we had basketball this past weekend let's go through some of the major storylines before we get to a nick batum because we finally have some nba content to get to i think the number one storyline right now it's the zion williamson restricted minutes it's limiting him from actually getting out there on the court it was nice to see these really good games we got to see the bucks and the rockets we got to see them yesterday that was a good game that the rockets ended up winning we saw the boston celtics jason tatum had a nice bounce back game after what was an awful two for 18 haircut gets everything right (laughs) go to the barbershop if you plan in the play a game (laughs) it was really bad to see that from jason tatum but he had a bounce 
bounce back game in their most recent win. So there are some other things we need to get to, but Zion was the main draw for the NBA making its appearance once again on Thursday. We see him play, um, but we only see him play about 15 minutes. And Zion Williamson would talk about that loss. Like that was the one that people were killing Alvin Gentry for, and maybe a little bit more for, you know, David Griffin can have the minutes restriction, but is it on Alvin Gentry to divvy those up at the right time? And in a close game against the Utah Jazz, offensively, Nada, we saw him really help. Um, that We saw him really help offensively, then we didn't see him help at the end of that game because Alvin Gentry didn't have him in because of the minutes restriction. And eventually they would lose after they see Brandon Ingram's shot go in and out. What have you made of the whole Zion uh, experience and the lack thereof because of the minutes restriction? Here's the thing. Alvin Gentry's in kind of like one of those conundrums where at some point he's damned if he do does, damned if he doesn't. Because if he, let's say he plays Zion beyond the limits, minutes restriction and he gets hurt, he's fired at the end of the year. So uh, again, so if he plays him, like, again, there's no, there's no way that Alvin Gentry at any point can win this debate. Because if they make the playoffs, Zion, again, tears a hamstring, pulls a hamstring, again, tweaks an ankle, tears an ACL. We're going to be like, okay, Alvin played him too many minutes trying to win. At the same time, again, you have the other thing which happens with Utah where you're going to have him not playing off. He's helping on offense. He's helping play Rudy Gobert off the floor at times. And now he's not ending crunch time and they end up losing. Yeah, and so it's weird because you could blame Alvin Gentry for – just divvying up the minutes the way that he did could he have played 15 minutes but you could have distributed those minutes better I think that's something that you could certainly call into question on the other hand it's do you just wait till the second half and if so then are you even in the game at that point? exactly and it's the same thing remember how we would always have these debates about how games how many games the Hornets lost in the fourth quarter and no matter what we would always yell they wouldn't be in it if they didn't perform well in the second and third. It's the same debate that we're having right now just with Zion Williamson. And unfortunately, for like I said, Alvin Gentry is in a no-win situation because you have to protect the future of the franchise. And the future of the franchise is, is Zion Williamson, for better or worse, because we don't know what's going to happen with Brandon Ingram at the end of the year. So as long as we don't know, as long as... Like, you got to err on the side of caution with this, unfortunately, you know? Yeah, Zion Williamson also looking pretty thick out there with two Cs. I don't know if that's something you have noticed from Zion, but that seems to be the consensus, that maybe he didn't take care of his body in the most recent exit of the bubble, like maybe some of the other guys, Nikola Jokic, James Harden. Like, here's the thing. You know who he reminds me of fitness-wise that used to be, like, all NBA, and then he'd get hurt and just be completely out of shape? Chris Webber. Chris Webber used to be one of those dudes like he'd need to play continuously. And if he got hurt, he'd come back 20, 25 pounds heavier and it wouldn't be anything of his fault because the doctors would keep him off of his feet. It's very similar. Like you Zion's a guy that probably consistently needs to like just play ball or else his metabolism goes all out of whack. (laughs) Um, uh, Zion Williamson also looked really bad defensively in that game against the jazz, certainly. And then the Clippers game, I mean, they just got destroyed in the first half. They were down already 30 before they even went to the locker room. It was the jazz game where you could see um, low lights, if you will, of his defense. It was really bad. Not recognizing what man he should be guarding. It just, just kind of was lulled to sleep at times. There was one out of bounds pass that went to the corner. His man, 
um, was able to shoot a three, and he just didn't get out in time. There, there were just some really bad defensive there lapses. Was, there were there were some really bad lapses, and it just reminds me of something that Nate Jones, um, if you follow him on Twitter, he's br- consistently brings his point up. You at center, you need to be a defensive rim protector. That's the most important thing you can do. And if defensively, if you're a weak link, then you're basically going to tear apart that defense just being that bad on on defense, really. What else did you notice, Nada? So a couple of the other storylines we could go to, it's the Grizzlies losing a couple of games, the Spurs pulling within two to try to make that Western Conference playoff picture. The Spurs, again, because the funny thing is I predicted the Spurs weren't going to make the playoffs this year because there's only so much magic that this that this Greg Popovich can pull out of this team, and yet DeJounte Murray, Nola Marcus Aldridge, mind you, and you have a whole bunch of cast of characters that are basically like, who's that? <laughs> like, what shoes are those? Spurs are essentially <laughs> just like coming within three games and probably going to force the playoff and probably going to beat Memphis because Memphis isn't, isn't playing well. Portland playing well. And, like, the return of Nurkic. Mm, Yeah, 30 points for him. And the big thing about Nurkic, for me at least, is remember how we said centers don't matter and centers don't impact much on offense and defense? Is that the performance that's going to get you to completely flip and forget? Is that the one? No, not really. (laughs) But what seemed like we were going there. No, we weren't going there because Aiton, I'm going to have to eat some curl on too. Because, again, anyone that's listened to this podcast knows I'm not the biggest fan of DeAndre Ayton and Ayton's been one of my reasons to not draft Wiseman but you can see these centers that can play the pick and pop and score in the post and drag people down to create that center of gravity for great shooters like McCollum and Lillard and low-key Gary Trent Jr. killing it last night yep not even really low-key if you watch that game coming off of the bench and and doing a very good job to come back from that 24-point deficit they would still lose the Portland Trailblazers would still eventually lose that game but still um, going up against Boston losing by four points 128 to 124 still was impressive and yet Trailblazers have a couple um, uh, just one and one I should say they did beat Memphis in that first one in overtime 140 to 135 so Walker I have one question for you on this now now mind you i'm not sure that we're going to get the playoff game the one game playoff game but if you had to pick what's the one game playoff looking like for you what's the one game playoff looking like at the end of these eight games at the end of these eight games uh i i don't know man like i think that's the thing about this nba restart it's the fact that you know there's no team that looks you know crazy dominant over every other one right like we've seen a bunch of one and one splits with a lot of these different teams where you know as far as looking at for me, like, I think my biggest takeaway is just steering it in that direction. Like, my biggest takeaway is just the fact that it might have been a little rusty from some of these different players, like, trying to get out of the gate, but also a team like Milwaukee. You know, Houston goes 2-0, and mm-hmm. but it's, you know, both of them are really close games, and they get lucky as hell against Dallas. Yes. With that missed free throw, James Harden able to hit. A nice play by Covington, but nobody boxes out Covington, and he's able to get that win over Dallas by sending it to overtime. Yes. And then Houston barely able to hold on against against Milwaukee but eventually they do it was impressive Uh, I wanted to see how Houston was going to be benefited from the rest 
because James Harden is just somebody that's so exhausted heading into the postseason. That style is taxing, though. That ISO-heavy style is very, very taxing, and that's half the reason they end up, like, the legs end up dying in the middle of the playoffs is because that style is just so taxing. So I thought that was one of the teams that benefited most from the rest that they got because you did get a long rest, and it doesn't have to be nearly as taxing as uh, what we've got in normal times in the NBA. I think the TJ Warren performance is something to bring up. How about TJ Warren? At least it's not against the Hornets this time. Yeah, and that's something that he often did. A couple of, I think it was three games against the Hornets this year where he just (laughs) destroyed them. Uh, 53 points for TJ Warren, leading the Pacers 127 over Philly 121. I thought that was one of the bigger widespread NBA questions. What Philly were we going to get? Were we going to get home arena Philly or were we going to get on the road Philly where they lost all but two of their games on the season? Uh, What were they going to do on a neutral court and they lose against the Indiana Pacers. Mm-hmm. Pacers now have the tiebreaker over them if they were to have a tied record at the end of the season on who would get the most favorable seeding. So that was something to note as well. And one other one, Nada, they're going to be playing here in just about an hour and a half. We get some afternoon basketball, but the yes. Toronto Raptors, the only game that we that they've played so far as Ooh, part of boy, this they, podcast, they, they beat the Los Angeles Lakers. So um, how for real are you taking the Toronto Raptors? Defense was going to be ahead of the offense. I knew that much. I didn't realize it was going to matter that much so far. And the one thing I don't, I want, I like, I getting very, very excited about these games. I can't take anything from these because the, a lot of these teams are still messing around with the lineup, still getting guys ingratiated into the lineup. Eric Bledsoe has yet to play a game from Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of this I can't take seriously because I don't know what's real yet. And I wonder if you feel really good about the Clippers for barely losing to the Lakers mm-hmm. and destroying the Pelicans. And both of those games are played without Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell. Exactly. And so I, you know, do you feel good about the Clippers because of the way they've done that? I would be one that says, hell yeah. Like it took LeBron to finally, you know, put the, Kawhi, yeah. the, the best player in the game and maybe not the MVP, but you know, the best player in the game the last 15 years, it took him to you know step up 100% on offense and defense in the closing minutes of that game and you did not have your two six man of the year candidates that are going to probably they might even finish one and two on the year if if uh dennis Schroeder can't get in there now here's the question i would have for you and anybody that thinks the lakers are going to do anything can you really rely on anthony davis being your third best player Anthony Davis being your second best player no, or your third? third? Because here's the because thing. No, no. I, would, I mean, Anthony has to step up and be, you know, 1B almost. Yeah, but that's what happened in that Laker game. That Laker game, you can make a case. Kuzma was better than Anthony Davis during that Laker Raptor game. And that's the problem. You're going to need Anthony Davis to play top two. And then also, can you rely on Kuzma to keep hitting those threes? Because he's hitting them at a clip that I never thought I'd see from him before. You know who is no second banana? Who is no Who is that? CBDMD. It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with menthol, uh, menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief 
from muscles and joints in a convenient and easy to use roller or shareable squeeze tube and CBD recover combines CBD with inflammation fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the most support you need when it matters the most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering all of our listeners 25% off of your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. Again, that's CBDMD. Nick Batum, what a gross tease coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. I'm, I'm a little, I listen, hold on. I, now see. I, I, the, I, we couldn't just blow by that one. Well, you had because this is what frustrates me. You know I'm uh-huh. under the weather. You know I'm not at 100% right now, and you're you're just taking it to me. You're like one of these people that knew Nick Batum had a hand injury, and they were just slapping his hand because it's like we're gonna get, we're gonna knock this guy's hand because we know he's injured, and that's what you're doing to me right now. But I just want to say, Sam, if you're listening, you're more than a numbers guy. You have heart, you have soul, you have agency. You are a person. Love you, Sam. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. There have been times where I have defended Nick Batum on this podcast. I think I have been, I don't know, somewhat objective, understanding that Nick Batum is crazy, crazy overpaid the way that he performed over the last couple of seasons. I actually thought that there were some times, even just going back to last season, where Batum shot 45% from the field, which was, I believe, um, around some of the best years that he shot from the field with Portland. It was a time where he was shooting 39% from beyond the arc on four three-pointers a game. It was someone that played 30 minutes last year in 75 games, 30 minutes a game in 75 contests. I thought there were some things that, you know what, He's absolutely overpaid, but there are some numbers that suggest that, you know what, this is the kind of role that he probably needs to have. It doesn't need to be somebody that is supposed to be your second best player, which is what he was paid to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was someone that his efficiency goes up, the less he's involved in the scoring part of the offense. And you see the assists last year. They weren't great. They were only 3.3. That was down from his about five that he had averaged throughout his uh, previous tenure with the Hornets, the previous years that he played. But not a. this was the worst year of his NBA career and that includes his rookie season so you look at Nick Batum real quickly just to go to the numbers before we get your analysis on him he averaged 3.6 points per game he did that on 35 percent shooting from the field he did that shooting 29 percent from three that was 3.7 field goal attempts per game and it was 2.2 three-point field goal attempts per game he did that on 23 minutes per game but only appearing in 22 contests this season Mm -hmm. his effective field goal percentage was a putrid 43 3.2%. The other numbers, they really don't matter. Like this is, this is a guy that made 28 field goals on the season on 81 attempts. His on-court product, it just was non-existent. It was someone that James Borrego decided to hide on the bench because it was time to shift to youth. But even coming into the season, I actually, I remember at the beginning of the season thinking that, you know what? I don't have any expectations for Nick Batum. I really don't care what he does. I think he might be a guy that I want to start with all the younger players because I thought he might bring the most out in the other ones. But Mm -hmm. I think I was mistaken on that. Like even pretty clearly at the beginning, it was like the first week of contest. Like, all right, don't play Nick Batum. Yeah, it's, the, it's done. Here's the thing. I, again, I might be the most preeminent defender of Nick Batum 
on the podcast and on Twitter. And on, on its Twitter, yes. Yes. Like, you are the guy. You are I, the most am, defensive of Nick Batista. I, I understood his pers- I understood why he was signed because he was he was signed to unlock Kemba Walker. He unlocked Kemba Walker, made things a little bit easier so Kemba could just go off ball and play basically a scoring role like a poor man's AI position. I understood why he did why they signed him. I understood why they signed him to the sure. max. I could defend almost everything that Nick Batum has done. I mm. cannot and I will not defend what happened this last season. He wasn't good. <laughs> and the best thing I could say for him is he was the reason that they went to France and got a whole bunch of international money. And that's why he got a good portion of the 22 games he got was to prep him, to get him in game shape, to go overseas for that France game against the Milwaukee Bucks in which they got destroyed. That's all that I can, that's all the good I can say for him. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, this guy looked like a guy that was mentally cooked. He played. It, just look at the distribution that he had. So he played the first game against Chicago, played 11 mm-hmm. minutes and didn't score any points. Nope. He didn't take any field goals. He only had four rebounds. He had a couple of assists and that was it. He was inactive for what looks like about two weeks, just trying to count at the top of my head really quickly. Mm-hmm. And then you see him again, November 16th against the Knicks. He actually plays something. If you average it out about 25 minutes per game, but in those 25 minutes per game, nada, he only scored double digits one time and that was against the Detroit Pistons in their one point win that he had when he played 31 minutes and it was the only game this entire season that he would score double digits in any game and in fact the next highest point total that he was able to get um, at least in that stretch that he played was six points in 28 minutes against Washington like this was a guy that was averaging 25 minutes a game in that stretch that he got from November 16th to December 6th yeah. and he just wasn't scoring whatsoever. The assists weren't there because the most assists he got in a game was seven against Washington. That was a seven. And there were a bunch loss. of games, if I'm not mistaken, where he didn't even attempt a shot, right? Um, there was a, not many. I mean, you're not totally wrong. Like there was, there was a couple of games where he would only shoot once. There was a couple of games where he shot two, maybe three times here and there, but no, just non-existent offensively. I just thought that Nick Batu might be a guy where it would be someone that could help out the other look, give Devonte Graham the offensive responsibilities give Terry Rozier the offensive responsibilities just come in hit your open shots to give the assist to a Devontae Graham you know set some screens for guys and do all of that and even then it's like man even then it's just you know get somebody else in there and put them on the court we got an apology from Nick Batum right before the season ended yeah we did and we got that in the Charlotte Observer you know he said that he was paid all this money to come in and help out and he acknowledged that he wasn't able to do that uh you know it, it and I, okay like that's that's fine i don't know if he here's the thing Walker. owed us one but he didn't like, yeah. and i guess that's my thing he doesn't owe anybody an apology he was brought here to facilitate everything for kemba and for the most part he did just not in the way everybody expected and that's why i never understood why he apologized for that contract because me and you would have signed that contract tomorrow if oh yeah were. it's the hornet's fault it's like the I'm hornet's not... fault don't again and that's the thing if he's listening to this and i again i will apologize for saying you look mentally cooked to an extent but at the same time i don't apologize for signing that contract don't apologize for signing generational money and i guess this is where i'm at with this with this contract and 
why I'm okay with whatever happens over this next season with him is because you know what, for the most part, he lived up to what he was supposed to do. He was never expected to be the second scorer there. Jeremy Lamb probably was expected to do more than he did until that contract year. Malik Monk was expected to do more. There, again, with the responsibilities of Nick Batum, he was a guy that was miscast, and he was another one of those doomed 20 of 16 signings. Okay, let's move on with this guy. And more importantly, you know what? I'm glad, and this is the big thing, I'm glad he cares about Charlotte more than Charlotte appears to care about him. And I, that's absolutely true, by the way. Like Nick, yeah, Charlotte obviously has not been able to stand Nick Batum because he just has not even come. It's, I mean, when we talk worst contracts in the league, it's a bottom five contract, and there's no disputing that. There is no disputing that. And then you go with a guy like John Wall. Remember, we even had somewhat of this conversation uh, concerning a Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, were those guys. But, man, I mean, Chris Paul was fantastic this year. And how about Russell Westbrook in the last, I think, what was it, month or certainly, you know, month or two months. Even in the bubble right now. He was great. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, and and look, those guys were always supposed to be first bananas anyway, but it, it just, it didn't work out. It did not work out. We had the one good first year in that playoff run from Nick Batum and man it has been downhill uh grossly downhill I would ever say since, ever I would since. say this about Nick Batum he had a really really good year that first contract year and then after that like everything fell apart once Cody fell apart so let's talk about Nick Batum his future does not include the Charlotte Hornets I don't even know what his future consists of just with any other NBA team you know he's, he's going to be off of the books this season he did yeah. opt into his player option of course why wouldn't you yes going to make that 26 mil you're going to you're going to make that last year of the money I, I think the most likely scenario is Nick Batum playing the length of his contract him being on the Charlotte Hornets the entire year however that may look amidst the pandemic and eventually you move on and he goes to another team they're not going to bring him back after this I don't think you're going to trade him I just think it might be too hard one to not even only match the money from a Nick Batum standpoint you have to be taking back a couple of contracts the, the probably, a couple, yeah, probably of contracts. a couple of contracts um and you would be looking to bring on an asset I just I just don't think it happens um I, I think the most likely scenario especially if Nick Batum likes it here in charlotte he's gonna play it out he's not gonna agree to less money in a buyout so well well unless well. he really unless there's a team out there that he thinks he would rather go play for i just think he's san going antonio to, san antonio you say that like you have sources um here's the thing <laughs> uh, again i know we talked about this off wax before but i will bring this on the pod because i know i talked to someone very very well sourced within the San Francisco area, and sources. I know, yeah, sauces, sauces, um, <laughs> and I know that Golden State at least called about that Nick Batum contract. Now, granted, they offered um, Andrew Wiggins, which obviously elicited a hell no yeah. from from this. Franchise. Which, by the way, no need to discuss that further. I don't want Wiggins. Yeah, we've got no. one year of Batum. I don't want no, Wiggins contract. No, no one wants Wiggins contract, but it brings this point up. I can see Nick Batum leaving. I just don't think it's going to be for very cheap because we, again, as I'll continue to bring up on this podcast, we do not know what the financials of next year are going to look like. We do not know if the CBA is going to get opened up in the offseason. But but what does that mean? That means do you think there's a better opportunity for Nick Batum to be a part of the Hornets? Like, I, I don't I don't know how that specific scenario affects deciding to keep Nick Batum or not. I mean, you're just allowing him to go at the end of the season. But I also think that it depends on what we're again, because we're talking about adding at least 
two players to this team next year. You're talking about a potential trade. No, no, not even a potential t- trade, but I know there's going to be at least two slots here between the draft because you have that the yes. Hornets own pick and you have 32 and you know, don't know what UDFA is going to be brought in similar to a Caleb Martin. I'm sorry. Yeah. A, a Caleb. Caleb yep. Yep. Caleb Martin like last year. So you do not know. There are three slots open. Nick Batum may be clogging one of those spots for a guy that they like in the G League, similar to what McDaniels was doing this year or similar. So, again, you could see a scenario where Nick Batum is like, hey, I want to go to San Antonio. I want to see if I can revive my career somewhere. He may take a buyout. The Hornets may not want to do that because, again, value wise, it makes more sense for them to do that closer to the end of the season rather than do this initially right now, unless they're blown away. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible, rather than charging prices, changing prices, based on what the market will bear, kind of like what airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet, whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? What you can go, uh, what you can do is you can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Doug apparently just texted us, said that he recorded something for us to use in the last segment. I don't know what that means. We asked him, he said he might even go just about 90 seconds or a minute. Um, and instead he said, I may have went overboard and get and given you four minutes and 30 seconds. So Doug wants his airtime. He wanted to tease we'll you to for him. this little airtime, even coming up on tomorrow's show. Doug infiltrates the podcast once again, coming up in the last segment of the Lockdown Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. You give me a new adjective. God, you're just messing this up. I, I, you know, I just I spend this, some time away from the show, and you're still the same old walker. All right, yeah, give me a new adjective and give me a plural well, noun. I, well, I, I've already thought of my plural noun now that you mentioned it. How about, uh, well, I don't even know if this is plural. How about grape jelly? Does that work? Grape oh jelly is the noun I was going to get. A plural noun. This isn't hard. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Hello, everyone. Uh, Sorry I couldn't be on the show today because of, uh, quote, technical difficulties, unquote. Although I would just say I don't remember any technical difficulties when they had Ashley Shahamadi on the show. So I guess I'm just not as big of a local Hornet celebrity as Ashley Shahamadi. And honestly, a lot of respect for Ashley, so I totally understand it. But at the same time, I think you guys could at least make a little bit more of an effort to get me on the show when you say I'm going to be on the show. Instead, I'm coming on tomorrow. That's totally cool. I've got uh, lists of 40s NBA legends for days. Those don't go away. I mean, I guess technically those players did go away in the existential sense, but uh, their names live on. And so I will provide those for you. Also, I've got some cool new data from B-Ball 
index. Uh, this is a new, relatively new uh, stats site, analytical site. They've got this, it's really cool. They've got like badges for players similar to NBA 2K. And you won't believe some of the badges for De- for Devontae Graham. And you won't believe some of the defensive statistics I pulled up on Terry Rozier. Spoiler alert, it's not good. But anyway, I'll talk more about that tomorrow. Here's what I want to do with the remainder of my Douglas J. Ranson segment here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. It's this. Before the bubble, I think I was on record on this show with being a little concerned with how the NBA was going to present professional basketball to us in a scenario where they did not have fans in the stands and these big NBA arenas. Well, first of all, I just want to give a big hand to the NBA and Adam Silver for executing on this and giving us a presentation that while it's not an NBA arena, it's definitely not like Orlando Summer League weird. It doesn't feel, it feels somewhere in this weird middle ground between professional and amateur and like big three tournament kind of style of presentation. So that to me, that's a big success. But But on the other hand, I think it might be too good of a presentation. They're not getting weird enough. I want to see weird camera angles. I want to see players instead of preening to the stands or virtual Zoom audiences. We'll get to that in a second. I want to see them preening to the camera. I want this to be a little bit WWE-ish in that they are really giving it to the camera and really, really playing this stuff up. I just think that, you know, I think the presentation is almost a little too polished. I want things to get a little weird. Um, and and I hope they, they figure some way to do that as they get used to and change the presentation up a little bit. Back to the Zoom fans. Where is my invite, by the way? I mean, I, I would watch any of these games on Zoom and be a fan. Uh, I totally, I love the guy that like had a Dirk Nowitzki cutout. That's amazing. Um, I don't know who my cutout would be. It would probably, it would maybe be Kimba Walker, but probably Jamal Mashburn. I'd love to throw Jamal Mashburn just to get us talking about Jamal Mashburn again, put a cut out of him, but where's my invite? I would watch any of these games. I would watch Orlando versus the wizards. I swear I would, I would do it. And I would have a big Steve Clifford cut out and it would be, and I, hopefully they would position me right behind the Orlando bench. So it's Steve Clifford watching Steve Clifford, uh, coach. I think it could get real, it could get real meta. Uh, so the NBA, I'm just saying, where's my Zoom invite? Give me my Zoom invite because I I will be there. Also, where are the celebrities? Like, I want to see more celebrities get involved in these Zoom experiences. We don't have to put them in the front row. It doesn't have to, like, mimic, you know, courtside seats. I think we can strip away sort of the class elements of this whole thing since we are in a bubble and in a pandemic and in a weird spot where everybody's playing it all in one place. But let's, let's put some random celebrities in there to get this thing going. I mean, we could have, you know, a situation where you get uh, Dan Aykroyd and the and the other guy that's not Joe Pesci from Home Alone and get them watching a Celtics uh, jazz game. Recreate that movie. Celtic pride. Yes, let's do a Celtic pride night. Let's get some weird celebrities. Let's it, it, it honestly it already kind of reminds me of, of like a weird virtual Hollywood squares anyway. So let's let's get Bruce Valanche in the middle of this thing and and let's just get weird. That's all I ask the NBA at this point. Let's get a little weird. We don't have to get too weird, but let's find a way to get 
a little weird. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Is that a new hashtag that is going to come up with? Let's find a way to get a little weird. Like yes. Doug is always going to find a way to yes. get weird. Also, if I could throw my suggestion as to the cutout he might use, I might want to see him uh, use one of the cutouts of any of the 40s nickname players that he comes up with. And I'm sure he's going to reveal on the show tomorrow. I don't even want to know. Whatever player he decides to name tomorrow, that's the kind of cutout I want to see. I want to see some 40s basketball player that has since uh, moved on to a different realm. I want to see him make an appearance as a cutout with one of these virtual audiences that we do get with the broadcast watching TNT, ESPN, or whatever um, whatever channel you're watching the NBA game on. All right, let's go to the spinning wheel of names. We just let's. got done with Billy Hernan Gomez. We got done with Nick Batum. We do have some good ones still left on the wheel. We have Devontae Graham, Cody Martin, mm-hmm. I think would be a good evaluation. Miles mm-hmm. Bridges, Malik Monk, uh, Marvin Williams, and MKG. That might be kind of like a segment just because they didn't play the entire that season. That is a segment. With That's the Hornets. Not, that is a segment. We'll, we'll name that on the fly. Have you thrown the Greensboro Swarm and how important they were? In a player evaluation? Yeah, we should. No, because Greensboro is not a player. It's a destination, not a Greensboro Swarm. Greensboro it's a isn't team. even a destination. The only thing we care about in Greensboro is a swarm. Allow me to spin the wheel of actual names rather than destinations to which G League teams are affiliated. Fine. It's spinning, it's spinning, it's spinning, and we're getting to Miles Bridges tomorrow. Ooh, Miles Bridges is going Saucy. to be the topic, and Doug Branson... As he just said there, um, we're going to try. He's going to try to join We're going to try. We're not necessarily going to try that hard, apparently, according to Doug. <laughs> That's true. Um, if it was Ashley Shabity, then we would try a little bit harder. If it was John Fokey, then we would try a little bit harder, Speaking as he is which, expected to join us on Wednesday. Exactly. John Fokey on Wednesday, guys. And then we have a special guest on Thursday this week. It's a, it's a star-studded, minus Doug, week for Locked On Hornets this week. All right. Plenty more to come this week, so make sure you stay tuned here with us. That wraps up this edition of Locked On Hornets. Thanks again to Rock auto.com for supporting the show now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of locked on nba have a great day we'll see you tomorrow with doug